0: Listening to This Is Not Reality, and I'm your host Amber. Today, my guest is Zaza, the owner and creator of Zaza's Hair Care. They create fresh food hair products for curly and kinky hair. Their line is rich in nutrients, which repair and prevent damage, increase growth, and provide moisture. All products are made with natural fruits, plants, and oils, and their mission at Zaza's Hair Care is to create quality products by using natural and non toxic ingredients that nourish your hair. You can find them on Instagram at Zayza Hair Care, and you can find the owner and creator at Zaza Xo. the Z-E-I-S-A-X-O. Enjoy the interview. Once again, I'm joined by Zayza, the creator and owner of Zayza's Hair Care. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Of
0: course, of course. And it feels as though this is our first time speaking and meeting, but we've known each other our whole lives. We went to elementary school together. We've both been creatives and entrepreneurs in the Boston community. But of course, you're in New York now, so I won't hold you to it. We're going to take it from the beginning. Um, And I want to know, why did you start Zaza's Hair Care? But also, what do you sell? What do you offer?
1: Yes, um, I started uh, Zaza's Hair Care in 2018, officially, um, but prior to that in college I was already like experienced like, experimenting with my products just like for my own personal use and my friends like I didn't think about it as a business um, but in 2018 after college you know not having so much money and living in New York um, I just decided to turn it into a business uh, and the reason that I turned it into a business was because I just saw like um, I started sharing my journey on my social media. So like I wanted to become an influencer. So I was like, you know, let me start recording like my hair journey process. And a lot of people were reaching out to me and asking me about like my masks because I would record it, like mixing it, putting in my hair and stuff. So I definitely saw a market in that. So I was like, let me turn it into a business. Um, but the kind of products that I sell are fresh fruit, um, hair mask and the de- deep conditioners. I sell beard oil, beard brushes, combs, and also like growth oil um, made with like aloe and different kind of herbs and plants.
0: Hmm, okay, so you listed aloe. What other kind of natural foods do you, do you end up putting into these recipes? Because it's yes. food, but it's food for your hair.
1: Yes, food for my hair. And that's something that I always have to remind people of, because they're like, can I eat it? I'm like, oh, technically, yes, but no. <laughs> um, so I use um, avocado, I use banana, pomegranate, I use a few different kind of nuts as well, like with the beard oil, and then the rest are like all natural plants.
0: Would you have identified as a baker or someone who was into
1: chemistry before this? Or have you no, not that. at all. <laughs> not at all. I feel like I've become that over the year over the years. Um, and I definitely use a lot of YouTube, I would say, um, to learn how to do that. Um, I know like it might seem like it's an easy thing to mix those things and just create something but actually like I went through a lot of trials and error until I got to like my actual products because a lot of those fruits don't mix well with certain oils so I did have to learn a lot um like from YouTube videos and just like about oils in general to learn about what makes well and what doesn't so I feel like over the years I've gotten a lot of like chemics chemics skills um I would say that like if Thinking about it now, if I knew I would be doing this today, I probably would take more classes like in mm-hmm. chemistry. Um, but growing up, I definitely was not interested in like science or anything like that.
0: It's so beautiful because a lot of these home remedies, people try to play Dr. Savy and, and a lot of <laughs> things, but there's real science. There's, there's science in it. I'm not going to explain it because I can't do that, but it's definitely amazing to see you all work. Uh, and and use so many different skills and pull from so so many places. And perhaps I'm a little selfish for wanting to start the conversation here, which is um, with our identities, which is something that we share in common Mm -hmm. with both Cape Verdean women. Um, And I like to believe that there might be a unique experience that we have with our hair.
1: Would Mm -hmm. you agree
0: with that? Or would you say that it's all one natural hair movement?
1: No, I would definitely say like, it's very unique, even down to like the islands that you're from. Um, and the experience that you have like if you you know you grew up in America versus like growing up back home. Um, So I had the privilege of growing up in both places. Um, My mom and like her side of the family still lives in Cape Bird. So um, from the very beginning when I first met you and came to America like I spent a lot of my summers in Cape Bird. So I would go like two months at a time and then come back here for school and um, in Cape Verde, while I was, before I moved to America, I, w- I was there until about seven years old and I was natural the whole time. Like my mom was really big on my hair. Um, so I grew up putting aloe in my hair every weekend and I absolutely hated everything about aloe. Like we had a aloe like plants outside of my stuff and my mom would go and tell me like cut a piece and i just hated everything about that whole process i didn't really understand like you know the importance of it and how like even today it's a staple in my products um but my mom would braid my hair every weekend and um and usually midweek as well like she was really big on like your hair needs to look good all the time like when you go to school um and also, like when my little cousins as well, like I grew up seeing my grandma giving them like a dollar fifty every Sunday and telling them go get your hair braided, um, and it's like their natural hair. Like we weren't allowed to do any like hair extensions or anything like that. Um, and then when I moved to the U.S. at seven years old, um, my dad's side of the family has very different hair texture than me, so. To them, treating my hair was extremely hard. Like they didn't want to deal with it at all. So I think within the first month that I moved here, they permed my hair and all of my cousins. Cause we moved, I came here with like six other cousins and only two of us were girls, the rest were all boys. Um, So our hair was permed within like the first month and we would just get like blowouts and you know, uh, little pigtails and stuff like that. Um, because to them, it was like the products that they would put in our hair was what they used in their hair and it didn't work with our hair. So it was just like, to them, our hair was hard to manage because the products didn't work well. Um, so they didn't waste no time into like getting us to the perm. And I remember my mom being very upset, like when I told her, like, I was so excited, like I got a perm, like my hair is straight, you know, I was a kid, I didn't really understand it. And she was just very upset. And when I would go back home, she would always be like, wow, like your beautiful hair is just like damaged, it's messed up and stuff like that. Um, But none of that really clicked until I got older. But I did grow up just seeing my aunts like washing their hair, putting conditioner and it's beautiful curls, like that's it. And I just would always, you know, be like, wow, like, why can't my hair do that? Like, why can't? You know, I always thought there was something wrong with my hair, but there were there were no education in the house like about our hair. It was just your hair needed to look good to go to school. Interesting, you know.
0: (laughs) It's interesting what you said when I first asked the question about the differences from the islands alone. Like, first of all, these are 10 different islands. There are different (laughs) cultures, there's different ways of hair care, I could understand that already, but even just the experience of whether you grow up on one of the islands or if you're growing up in the in the States yeah. and how that cultural shift can also affect mm-hmm. your relationship with your hair. My own experience, I still struggle to understand it, but I think yeah. I can relate to you saying like Cape Verdean diversity, affects how we treat each generation and how we teach them how to do their hair because mm-hmm. my family had a different hair texture and I vividly remember them clowning my hair and calling it yeah. crazy at one point and then as I get older now that natural hair is popping they're cha- like yes hair like yours? and it's Same. funny how the Cape Verdean community had to evolve to like mm-hmm. understand that diversity but I I also remember seeing women rock their their curly hair back in the day like there was yeah. na- there was a culture it existed but it wasn't one that appreciated all the different types of curls, exactly You know, yeah I agree, it,
1: all the different types yeah, of I agree. like I I feel like my family here like all of my aunties and cousins they all rock their natural hair like since I could remember but it was like for their hair type it was like it has always been popping but I've never seen people with my hair type back then wearing their hair out um, even back home, like when I think about it, like, you know, our my cousins always had their hair in braids. They never, I, I never actually saw their hair outside of braid, like in a puff or anything like that. But now I do. And I'm like, wow, like, and it clicked. Like, I never actually saw your hair any other way than braids. And I feel like there is like a shift in like, you know, the natural hair journey there as well. Like now everywhere there, everyone there is wearing their froze. and like wanting to learn how to do their hair and stuff like that so it's really beautiful to see
0: yeah it's important to respect I think the nuances of every Mm -hmm. culture and community's relationship uh, with natural hair but I do recognize and that's why I pose the question that way I I recognize that we're fighting white supremacy all of us and so like with colonialism and just even me being half Latina like I've seen the relationship Mm -hmm. here on that side so I get that it's this it's a it's it's a shift that's happening in a lot of different. Communities. Yeah. Exactly. Here. I was curious, and this is like a two-part question. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the most harmful habits that women of color or people with coily and kinky hair have when it comes to our hair care? And what is a product that you create that you would suggest mm-hmm. or recommend to treat that issue?
1: Um, I would definitely say the Karen of the hair, which is why I started my business. Like, I feel like we, um, like Black women, especially like, you know, 3C, 4C hair, we care about our hair a lot in terms of like how it looks. Like it looks presentable, it looks cute, it looks neat, it's done, it's laid, all of that. But we don't really take time to take care of it so that it always looks laid, even if it's not in braids or whatever it is. And it just, even the definition of laid, like laid doesn't mean edges done, braids in, like, you know what I mean? like just from my experience I've never actually apart from like mom, my mom put an aloe in my hair I've never actually been taught how to take care of my hair while I wash it or after I wash it before I do a style it's always been about the style and the style only and I feel like a lot of um, our hair becomes damaged over time even though you're like what well, I do my hair I wash my hair every week I do my hair all the time like why is it still breaking why is it still damaged Is because like You're not actually doing anything to take care of it before you do the style, Um, which is where my deep conditioners came in, because that was the first thing that I created. Um, And the reason why I created that was because when I went to college, it was the first time that I had to stop perming my hair, like since I was seven years old. Whoa. I literally permed my hair faithfully every four to six months, like until I went to college and I had to stop when I got to college because I went to a college that was like in a very white neighborhood mm-hmm. and there were no nearby salons or any type of anything for me to go to and have someone do my hair. Cause I didn't learn how to do my hair growing up. I just went to the salon on Bowdoin street every uh, two weeks and got my hair blow dried. So I never learned how to do anything with my hair. Um, So when I got to college I chopped everything off and you know I told myself you're gonna learn how to do your hair whether you like it or not. And that was also the time where I feel like a lot of influencers were coming out on YouTube and on Instagram and talking about hair so that kind of influenced me to like if they can do it, I can do it too. Um, and and I started focusing on, okay, how am I going to take care of my hair every week? Like, I didn't even care about the style. I'm like, I can put a head wrap. I don't care about that part. It's just how am I going to take care of my hair so that it becomes healthy over time? Like that was my focus. And it was, it wasn't something that I felt like was talked about. Like, even when I came out with my hair mask and I'm talking about natural stuff, like avocado, like the reason why I started with avocado was because all of the natural hair products that were at Target and the stores nearby my school were very expensive. And also when I looked at the ingredients, they weren't natural, like they said they were. Like they had all these other chemicals that I didn't even know how to pronounce, you know? So I was like, you know what? We had a little um, store at my school, it was like a little, corner store but they sold like bananas and avocados and oh, that's where I started okay. yeah so that's yeah. where I started I was like you know I'm gonna do the cheapest thing that I can um I learned about the benefits of the two and I started mixing those two from there oh, you're um and then buying them some people might <laughs> just like swipe them bananas from the
0: cafeteria
1: yeah. <laughs> you're good I did that too <laughs> Here, okay so you dabble <laughs> I did that too um but you know like and then when I started learning about the process of deep conditioning your hair and how like over time I would see like okay throughout the week I don't need to put as much oil in my hair because the deep conditioner that I did on Sunday the oil from there is lasting me until Wednesday okay now what do I need to focus on so it was just like little things like that that was just blowing my mind like why don't we talk about this like You know, like when I went to salons, they would ask, like, do you want to do treatments before I blow dried? And I, I think I did them probably like three times ever, but I didn't know what they were like, why do you need to do them and things like that. But I was just like I started thinking about, like, why don't I see more people taking care of their hair, like dedicating a day, not even a day, a few hours. To the treating of the hair, massaging your scalp, detangling, like even detangling my hair, I had to learn how to do that because detangling was doing this from roots to ripping end. it, ripping and it break out. It, yes. And then being yelled at why your hair is tangled because the comb is not going all the way through. I had to learn that you had to do it from the bottom, the ends to the roots, like things like that that were just like, wait everyone should know this, you know, how much easier my childhood would have been if I knew how to go from the ends to the (laughs) roots. And I can hear the excitement and like, just the magic in your voice because it
0: really does feel like that I've had the pleasure of over mm-hmm. the last year being able to reconnect with my hair and when you can do that it really does feel low-key yes. magical like mm-hmm. okay I'm doing this thing to my hair and it's responding oh my god yeah like <laughs> so I can, listen I'm with you so I feel yeah. you no I, I literally hope more people it. can get that
1: yeah like I was learning my hair and like such a different way that when I started seeing just one little curl like I was so excited like I was always it should in my hair be, like yes it's- like filling every little thing and I remember people like even telling me like you're always like in your hair because it became a habit of me literally just feeling every coil because I was like I never knew my hair could do this like yeah. and I was just so proud of the fact that like I stuck through the journey to even see that Um, I remember even keeping a box of um, perm in my closet in college, like just in case, you know, just in case I can't do this anymore because that's that's how hard it was. Did you never touch it or did you did you touch it? I didn't. I didn't touch it. I do. I remember senior year, I threw it out. But on the day I was moving out, I threw it out, but it stayed in my closet for that entire three years just in case. You know, when you mentioned that's an important journey because it got us Mm -hmm. here and now you're spreading those
0: products when you were mentioning how you were starting to feel your curls and getting excited for what your hair could do it makes me and and you even talked about in your journey how you did begin thinking about yourself as an influencer and Mm -hmm. how you could utilize this this journey with your hair on social media and make it a thing and tell that story i As a woman, I can confirm that constantly seeing Instagram models with BBLs and filters, it's known to have an impact on our body image. But then again, having a perfect wash and go and having a perfectly circular fro, these things are not easy to maintain either. Do you think that natural hair influencers have a positive or a negative impact on the natural hair movement?
1: Um, I would say way more positive than negative, um, just because of like, know from my experience of what i've gotten from it and what i've learned from it and like just like the motivation to keep going and you know learning how to do hair and treat my hair like that all came from social media like i literally was on youtube and instagram like saving things creating Mm -hmm. folders going back to it consistently like I remember following specific people with specific hair types, like, you know, to just so that I can constantly be motivated. And also, like, just seeing kids, like younger kids now, like, you know, I'm a teacher. So over the years, I've seen a lot more of my students being more comfortable with rocking their natural hair. Um, And, you know, and when I do have conversations with them about like, like, where do you get um, inspiration from, like, how did you learn, like, is this something that you do in their house, a lot of them go back to saying like, I follow this influencer, or Mm -hmm. I learned this from YouTube, or I do this, and some of them have even created their own YouTube, you know, and things like that. So I feel like it's definitely a lot more positive than negative. But like you said, like, a lot of times we can kind of start feeling bad because I've been in that situation about like, wow, like I'm not, why am I not there yet? Because social media makes you feel like, it makes it seem like things are faster than it actually happens. Like, you know, someone can post a before picture from six months ago and you don't know that. And then tomorrow their hair is looking completely different and you don't know how long it took. And you might, you know, a lot of times I've kind of beaten myself up about, like, my process is not moving as fast. So it's just like having to remind yourself that, like, you know, not everything that's on social media is true. Um, Everyone has their own journey, their own experience. It's just how you use it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And I think that when it comes to, like, natural hair, um, using it as, like, an inspiration. If you don't know how to do hair, using it as, like, tutorials and things like that. Um, especially for younger kids, I feel like it's definitely more positive influence than negative.
0: Yeah, I guess part of me just wanted to acknowledge that out loud, but yeah. I can't, I can't deny the the very fact that this mm-hmm. movement really started on YouTube and online, and including yeah. Nikki blogs. So definitely have to be appreciative of all the all the positive, but notice yeah. that as it grows, it is going to have some negative. And I myself, throughout my journey, I've had to learn how to use the internet in my journey in productive ways
1: where I was like,
0: I used to follow the hair texture that I wanted.
1: Mm -hmm. That was like a (laughs) bad habit of mine.
0: Like, oh, my hair can do that. Like, I'm gonna grow it so that it's Mm -hmm. long and can like curl very loosely until I realized girl, follow the people with your hair texture and you'll be a lot more happy. Because I was, you know, setting myself up for failure. So there's things you learn along the way for sure, but.
1: Exactly
0: it needs the, it kind of needs the, it doesn't need the internet, but we, we appreciate all that the internet has yes. done. <laughs> so let's see, my next question is about keeping it on the topic of the hair natural hair movement. I just have to ask your opinion on the numbering system, 1C, 2C, mm-hmm. 3C.
1: Are you yes. against it, indifferent?
0: What's your perspective?
1: Um. No, I actually like it a lot, but I would say that it took me like, years into my journey to actually understand it um, in depth. And when I did, it helped me figure out what kind of products work for me um so like what you just shared right now like you used to look at things like look at influencers with the hair type that you wanted but we're not the same that was the same thing for me and I would go and buy all the products that they were advertising and then it wouldn't work on my hair like when I told tell you like I had so many hair products like in my house just I literally was buying everything before I even knew what hair, my hair type was, and how all of that goes into play. I was just buying things that influencer was telling me was working for their hair and wasted so much money. Um, But when I did, I don't really remember how many years into my journey, but it was quite a few years um, when I learned about the actual difference of hair types and the numbering. Um, I would say that there's some flaws with within the number in because you can have several different types of hair types, right? So I have like three different types of hair types, depending on the part of my head that you're looking at. Like the back is way different than the front. The side is way different than the back and the front. Um, so it's hard to stick to like one number and be like, this is the number that I am. And these are the products that I need. Um, it's more so kind of like a guide, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, the way that I use it is... Um, when I learned about it, I read about like all of my hair types and what my, like my porosity is and what does that mean about the products that it needs. And I learned that my hair needs a lot of water-based products, but I was using a lot of oil-based products. So even like my deep conditioners are oil-based, there's a lot of proteins, but I can't overuse them. So if I'm doing my deep conditioner, that means all the products that I use for the rest of the week cannot have oil in it. I didn't know that. Um, So my, even though my hair was firm and co- uh, coils, it was like getting frizzy a lot and like getting droopy Um, mm-hmm. instead of volume, like getting volume. And it was because of that. I didn't know that. So when I learned about the numbering system and what that means for my hair type, I started investing more into water-based products. And that's when I saw like, okay, I can get volume now. Like it's not just like droopy and oily. Um, So I would say that like, understanding the number in and using it to get the products that your hair needs is important but I wouldn't say like it's everything like yeah. don't beat yourself up the way we see too, it like-
0: <laughs> you know why because the way
1: we see it used
0: online is like oh they have four c hair and I don't have four c hair. I have three like people are in denial like they want to be something yeah. like, not for it, it, anything or my what i would say is that for example me being a light excuse me a light skin latina i automatically sometimes i can see people wanting to identify with the tougher hair texture Mm -hmm. to prove something to prove blackness and i think it's it's a really toxic place to be with the numbering system and so in terms of justifying identity justifying um just I don't even know how to even refer to those things, but just toxic, toxic parts of our culture. I think that we can do away with yeah. but using it to take care of your hair. beautiful. Yeah. Like that. I
1: don't, yeah. Like I, I don't really like, I mean, if someone asks me like, what's your hair type, I'll tell them, but like, I don't really like, that's not something that like I'm constantly talking about or posting about because to be honest, I don't think it's important. Like, interesting. you know, and it might
0: even be obsolete one day, you know, maybe a yeah. part of just us. Being on this journey as a collective, Mm -hmm. and then one day we won't even look at it. Who knows? Or it'll change (laughs) utility. One thing I noticed when I was on your social media was that you have some of your clients that are adults that actually use your products on their children. Was that something Mm -hmm. that surprised you? And what has that been like just having younger clients?
1: I definitely wasn't at first marketing to kids um, just because of like, you know, it needing to be like refrigerated and just like the complexity of the product within itself. Um, and even like a lot of like adults like have so many questions with it, like, you know, trying to understand it because it's so different than other products where we just buy it and put it on the shelf. Um, but when I did start um, getting questions about like, hey, can I use this for my kids? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the reason why I say it's 100% natural is because you can use it on anybody and there's no chemicals, there's no harm, there's no anything. Um, and I started like realizing that a lot of products are not made that way so that it's safe for kids. Um, which also, like, brings up a lot of questions about, like, why are we making products that are not safe for certain groups of people, but, like, safe yeah, for weird. others?
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, Your products should make it easier for any parents that are worried.
1: You don't have exactly. to about pronouncing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's if it's not safe for them, then maybe it's not safe for me either. So it's just like things like that that I started thinking about. Um, but at first, I started actually um, getting questions from family members that were asking if they can use it on their kids. And that made me really excited. so I would like literally be on FaceTime with them, like giving them instruction, like, yep, do this, do that, and watching the process. And I always get like, the kids like because it's avocado a lot of kids don't like the smell of avocado or like the idea of putting food in your hair so my cousin always be like what is that? Like, eh. mm-hmm. like you know and I'm just like just be quiet and let your mom do what she needs to do but like just um seeing like other people that are not family members now like using their under kids like that just made me really happy just to like even see the bond like it's not even it doesn't even have anything to do with my products itself but it's just seeing like wow like this new generation of people like really spending time with their kids and using like this natural hair products on their kid and talking to them like they might be asking questions like what is that and then explaining this is avocado this is banana like this is what it does for your hair I think that was what made me like even more excited like to see like my friends you know teaching their kids and spending time with their kids um you know during their wash day and things like that and that wasn't something that like I got the privilege of experiencing with my mom for a long time because I moved here. So I think like it, that also has a lot to do with it. But like it was just like every time I see that, it just makes me really happy. Like just like, wow, they, they don't even know like the benefit of what their parents are doing right now or like understand it. But like in the long run, it's going to be so beneficial to their hair oh. and like their overall like how they, you know, um, interact with their hair as like, you know, teenagers and adults and so on. It's wild to
0: think about that because it's just re- it's replacing other routines, maybe some yeah, it, less,
1: mm-hmm.
0: less good routines like yeah. term or, or you know, burning your hair to a crisp mm-hmm. on, you know, before school starts, <laughs> so you get to replace it with something else. And we still do those things, uh, yeah. but we're a lot more conscious and a lot more healthy. I think with our mm-hmm. hair as, as we as we grow as a community, I wanted to talk about your move to New York City. Did you go mm-hmm. out there for school?
1: No, so I actually moved there right after school, after college. Yeah, but um, when I was a junior in college, I did like a teaching program for the summer out here, Um, and that's and I got a job with that program for after graduation. So that's how I ended up moving here. Um, I didn't really like, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I would say teaching was always like in the back of my. Mind because everything I did for summer jobs had something to do with education, and I knew I wanted to work with kids. My mom is also a teacher back home, and she's been teaching all her life, and my stepfather as well. So I think, like, I didn't want to be a teacher because I'm like, I should be something different, but it's like, it's in my blood, (laughs) like, I can't deny it. Um, so at first, when I took the job and said yes to New York, is like, I just wanted to get away from Boston, like, I just did not see myself in Boston. I felt like, um You know, like Boston is where all my family is and it just felt very small Mm -hmm. and not so much like, like this opportunity, but I just feel like I always felt like there was more that I can do somewhere else. Like, I didn't know what that more was, but it was just a feeling. Um, And while I was in college, I also traveled a lot. So I think it came from that, like me just always wanting to like move to it, be in a new environment, be in a new place and spending that summer in New York just made me like see like life in a different light. Like, you know, meeting all these kind of people that lives in this, you know, city and all these different kind of food and, you know, just all these things to do all the time. I think that made me really excited. New York York
0: is different like Boston is a city and it's a big city like there's small little towns around Boston and they look at Boston like oh that's the big city but it's not the same as New York where you can get off anywhere and
1: like experience a new culture so I feel you I feel you yeah Um, and when I, like, I was telling you earlier, like when I first came here, I always thought I was like, okay, I'm gonna do two years at this job. Then I'm going to go back home and I don't know, figure out something in Boston. And my family will always be like, when are you going back? When are you coming back? Because I told them I'll only stay two years. And after that, I was like, I am not going back. Like that's when, um, after the two years is when I, I felt like I started becoming more comfortable in New York, you know, meeting people, making friends, you know, being more comfortable with going out and stuff like that and actually having a life. And I started to notice how there's a lot of hustlers in New York, like people are not just working nine to five, like people are out here starting businesses and doing stuff like, and that's how I was so um like motivated to start my business. And I feel like if I was in Boston, that idea would have like, it, I probably would have had the idea, but it would have. Felt so much further to reach than in New York like as soon as I thought about it like nothing told me I couldn't do it because I was always surrounded by people that had all these different type of things going Um, so that's really why I stayed like I feel like here I have more motivation to do stuff like because I'm seeing it around me and in Boston it's very different like you know
0: Boston's really small, you know. It's funny because I I'm gonna bite my tongue as I say this, but I recall New York always being like that.
1: Like Mm -hmm. when I had
0: like I've always had a life in between Boston and New York and my friends that would be in New York, like everybody was a rapper or a dancer or a fashion designer. Like everybody had like another thing going on, Mm -hmm. even though I do come from an art community, the hustle and the intensity of the hustle is just different in New York. Yeah. But I have to say Boston is getting there. We're just slow. I know it's
1: growing. We're
0: growing. (laughs) We're trying. And so that's why I'm like, I can see the differences in the city. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons why I prefer Boston to New York because of that right. very reason and the and mm-hmm. the pace at which it goes and the size. It's yeah. some, there are pros to it for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, are there pros and cons to living in New York that you would say? You've said a lot of pros, any uh, cons?
1: <laughs> expensive. Yeah, that part? So like so expensive. But I did hear Boston is also getting like that. It is. Unfortunately. Oh. But yeah, New York, living in New York is very expensive. Like, um, I'm grateful to have like a job that I do where I can like support myself. But like, I'm, I'm also like in a weird phase where now, like I want to be a full-time entrepreneur. I don't want to teach anymore. But the reason why I continue to teach is because to be honest I won't be able to afford my lifestyle if I didn't have that job. Um, so I would definitely feel like that is the number one like con is how expensive it is. Um, also, how hard it is to like, I feel like it's much harder here to think about like investing in properties and wanting to be like, okay, all this money I'm spending on rent, let me just get a house. Like, it is so expensive mm-hmm. to do that here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in Boston, it's probably like a little bit more attainable. Um, but, hey, other you're on than your that, you on your way. <laughs> yeah. That will
0: not be a worry out, for I'm you. Give about yes. two years max, you good. Yes. You got your mansion You get into
1: existence. Yes. Um, but other than that, I feel like that's the only con It's expensive. It. And, you know, yeah, that's it's the price expensive. you pay
0: for such an amazing city, to be honest. I know. Like, listen, yeah. With all that has to offer. And I have to ask about Cabo Verde because I've never been there. I really am dying you
1: never been? There. Okay. never been
0: there. I need I just, to take you. Listen, we can go. Like, I Listen, I'm trying to plan no, a trip. Seriously. I need to. Honestly, and that's another thing, like there's a lot of uh, bridge building and connecting that has to happen across mm-hmm. communities and even across the diaspora and a lot of Americanized Cape Verdeans don't have that connection and we yeah. and a lot of us have to rebuild it so we're gonna work on that and, and no I, no <clears> I'm
1: serious <throat> whenever you want
0: to go I got you what Which island are is right? you from uh, my family's from Fogo
1: okay I've been to Fogo once I'm I from Praia
0: uncle. yeah I have an uncle that lives in Praia though so I think I
1: would probably okay. go to Praia
0: maybe i no
1: you you have to go you went to ghana recently right yeah
0: yeah yeah, my husband's from there i went there before which is terrible but
1: what's it like now you have to take him oh is amazing like that is i i always say like i'm gonna go back and live there it's just it's just the best place in the world and to be honest like you won't be able to understand it until you go um i go all the time so the last time i was there was in april Um, and I just took two weeks off of work. I told them I need some, (laughs) some mental days, some, I need time. And luckily they gave it to me. So I was very happy. So I went for two weeks and I brought five friends with me. Um, two of them are a Verdian, one never been at all. Like his family have lived in America for generations, um, and he was kind of in the same similar situation as you. Like, he felt like he needed to go. There was something missing from his identity. Like, so we made it a friend's trip. Um, two of them are not k Verdean at all. So two of the five, um, one of them is Trinidadian, the other one is Dominican. And then the other, she's also not Kay verdian but like literally all her friends are Kay verdian So, and we all went to um, middle school, and high school together so we've been friends for a long time and they're all from Boston um mm-hmm. and we were just we're like you know we need to do a friend's trip like let's all go somewhere together and I told them let's go to Cape Bird, like mm-hmm. why not and they were down for it like usually of people like, <laughs> yeah like you know usually people will be like you know whenever you go take me and then I'll tell them yep I'm going you ready like it's always an excuse because I go all the time you know my mm-hmm. mom is there they were all down for it and I was shocked so it was like one of my best trips going home, but also my shortest. I've never been to Cape Verde for two weeks, so it was very like I don't know. That's a lot of money. but are Yo, like honest, my husband.
0: I was <laughs> trying to go to Ghana for years. I'm like, let's just do two weeks. I got two weeks vacation. He's like,
1: now nah, we need a month.
0: I'm like, yeah, too
1: much family for two weeks, and also it's expensive, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was I only could go for two weeks, so I went, and to be honest, it was it was enough time. Um, so we all went, they, I was obviously going to stay with my family because I'm not going to go to Cape Verde and not stay with my mom. You know, that's just not right. And they were, um, uh, one of them, their dad had like a hotel, so they had like accommodations. But when we got there, they were like, can we just all stay together? So they ended up all staying at my mom's house, which was amazing. So it was like the first time that I felt like my family got to see like a little piece of my American life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they met my American friends. I'm speaking English and Creole, like you know, translating back and forth. Like my brother is meeting them, so like it was very emotional for That's me. Crazy. But also, like for that one friend that um went with us, that um you know he's Cape Verdean, but like his family lived here for a generation is just a part of his life that he never really you know he speaks a little bit, but not fully. Like seeing his experience, like. You know, like we would go to the beach, and he'll just like go sit in the sand, and you'll just see him like appreciating life. Yeah, like that's gonna be that. Really, that's the, gonna I'm be like right that there. made me. I know, like that made me. Like I would just look at him, like wow, like and him after talking about the experience, how like he finally felt a piece of him. Like you know, like he he felt he felt at home as soon as he got there. Like he felt like he's been there before. Everything felt like home. Like that just made me like realize how much of like a lot of k come to america and don't go back for different reasons you know but it's just like i can never see myself not doing that and Uh, maybe my my family had like a generation gap and i'm like all right that's
0: enough that's enough
1: yeah yeah, (laughs) let's go back (laughs) it was just I don't know that trip was just very different like and that I go back different. all the time but it's just like it just made me so happy and I'm like you know I need to bring more people back home like you know right. like
0: listen I,
1: I, you're saying this on a public experience. platform right now so be careful <laughs> no seriously yeah. like it was just it was beautiful but I love going back home like if you ever been to any island it's pretty much the same like you know you got the tropical weather beautiful beaches, good food all the time, fruits, all of that. Cape, um, Cape Verde also is big on festivals and parties and music. That's so if that's your thing, like you will have fun, um, but it's definitely a vibe. Like yeah. it's a fun that's place one thing, to
0: like when I was, like I've been super duper American most of my life, but like mm-hmm. my, my, my aunt married a Cape Verdean man. So for part of our lives, we were like doing the Cape Verdean party. <laughs> you know, people's living rooms and in in people's yards to like whatever time in the Mm -hmm. summers. And I'm like, yo, the parties, though, we know how to party. So if i had to be in party, then I'll feel
1: it's a big part of our culture.
0: (laughs) For sure. We know how to party. So I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, Just to go back to your experience as a teacher, I wanted to know if being a teacher has made you look at your education differently, of course, because you've had such a you know, you you came from Cabo Verde, did most of your schooling in the U.S., has it caused you to look at your education differently?
1: Um, Definitely, I feel like I've become more appreciative of my experience with education in Boston. Um, It's not, like, I've always been super close with teachers because um, coming from, like, Cabo Verde and, like, not knowing how to speak English and stuff, I spent a lot of time in school just, like, trying to perfect that and being comfortable with, like, speaking the language and also like I did a lot of sports in middle school so I just like always spent a lot of time in school and over time I built really great connections with teachers that like till today you know they're my mentors um but like apart from that, I didn't really like look at like, you know, my experience with like the actual education system and being grateful for it. I cause I always wanted to like go to private school and always wonder like when Metco became a thing, why didn't I get to go to Metco? Or like, why didn't I get to go to like Boston Latin? Like I always felt like, you know, I should have been at schools that were like better than the Boston public schools. Um, but when I became a teacher, you know, in New York. There's a lot of charter schools, like every corner, especially in Brooklyn. Like every corner that you turn, there's charter schools. And I've been working in charter schools for the last six years, and it's very different than public schools. Like very, very different um, in how it's ran and just like the curriculum and how they, um, the type of teachers that they recruit and things like that. And I just feel like my experience with that over time, I've just been very appreciative of like, having really dope teachers in Boston public schools, like teachers who actually love the art of teaching, who is still there teaching for today and been there for like 15 plus years. And, you know, in my experience with school here, the turnover is crazy. Like teachers are leaving mid-year coming straight out of um college like doing it for the money and not necessarily having a passion for it and things like that and I just always reflect back to like wow I'm so grateful that that wasn't my experience like you know sometimes I really feel bad for the kids of like mm-hmm. you know not really knowing that side of education how maybe they're so used to teachers leaving mid-year yeah. but, like they're so used to like you know and there's a beauty in it too because you get to have young teachers you know like you get to have teachers there are cool and, and and it's hip and things like that but when you look at like are they actually experienced teachers who you know are they teaching you the curriculum the best way that it could be th- taught like maybe not because they don't have that much experience but in my case in Boston like my teachers were always even though I didn't probably didn't go to the best school I always had really great teachers and I never looked at it like that yeah
0: yeah that's interesting that you say that and that you've been teaching in mm-hmm. charter, even though you grew up, you know, Boston Public School. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's hard to not think about, you know, and compare and just think about your mm-hmm. childhood versus the students that you raised. But, yeah. uh, you know, you don't stay there. It's really about the students. So I just want to let people know, like, yeah, I work with the youth. Yes. I'm not always <laughs> only thinking about myself, but it's hard not to at least have that that thought process. Exactly. Yeah, Just natural. And last but not least, your products can now be found at House of Skills Beauty, which is located on 2065 Fulton Street in Brooklyn. And I'm sure that you're looking to have your, your stuff in more stores as well. Yes, what's that been like? Boston. Yes, listen, I'll <laughs> do whatever I can do to do so yes. spread the word, but I know you're already plugged in and working on mm-hmm. that. What has it been like uh, making products and managing the growth, essentially, of your brand from doing it for your friends to now having your stuff? in a store
1: what's yeah, next like being being a one woman team is very hard like cuz i'm doing everything i'm doing the packaging the creation of the products the labeling i'm creating the labels i'm doing the shipping and on top of like working a full time teaching job like it's very hard to manage and then like the opportunity for me um, to actually work with House of Skills and having my products there, like how it actually happened is just like crazy. It wasn't planned or anything. It just happened. Hmm. Um, and it opened up like, you know, I always wanted to have my products in stores. And but I always looked for Boston because that is where the majority of my um, customers are based in. Like mm-hmm. I do a lot, a, a lot of shipping to Boston since from the very beginning. Um, So I've always been, like, in search of, like, how can I get my products out there? Um, But because of my deep conditioners have to be refrigerated, that's always the tricky thing that, like, you know, like, how am I going to do that? Will I have to provide a fridge? Like, you know, helping people understand. I feel like that is always, like, kind of, like, not a turnoff, but always, like, oh, okay, we have to take longer at figuring this out than going with it. Um, But the House of Skills, I actually just went to their... um, store opening the day that I opened I just popped in and they had some shelves open and the manager was there and I just told them about my products he said let me see your your um your Instagram let me see your website he liked how it looked and he said bring me your products can you bring it in the next hour and thankfully that same weekend I had literally worked on my inventory and making things in bulk um because work was getting very busy so I was like you know what because usually I'll just make things as people order or like 10 at a time but I was like you know let me just make like 30 oils like you know and then I'll just focus on making my mask as people order so it's not as much so I already had all that inventory so I literally just brought my product and they put it on the shelf and I spoke to the manager about money and all that and I was just like wow like I remember at the end of that day like my products are in store like that's crazy yeah. so um From there, it just made me realize, like, I really need to just go into stores and like, yo, this is what I do. Like, you know, and people in Brooklyn, I feel like especially like now that there's a lot of Black-owned beauty supply stores, like, they're open to that. I'm just like a shy person, you know, like doing that is a lot. Like, I was with a friend that literally told me, you're about to go in the store and do that right now. If she wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have done that. But that made me realize how like, it's more of me just like networking, but showing my face, like, yo, if you want this, like you're going to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and of course, like that brought revenue and exposure, but also like now it means like I'm, I have to do more work and it's okay. It's just all about scheduling, like, you know, like finding a time where I'm going to make my oils. I'm going to, you know, work on my labels do things like that. And I feel like over time, I get better at those things. Like, it, I, I wasn't good at it from the beginning. I'm still not good at it now. But over time, I learned shortcuts. Like, you know, I learned, um, okay, if I buy this oil dispenser, I could fill up 50 bottles in five minutes versus if I use this dropper because that's how I was doing it before or a funnel. Um, so I'm, I'm over time, I'm learning. And I feel like since TikTok happened, I learned so much hacks, like yeah. business hacks, so much business hacks. Um, so I'm constantly like looking for ways to like, you know, like work smarter and not harder. Yeah, <laughs> um, yo, shout
0: out to TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is really yes. great for business hacks. And you mm-hmm. said something really important. When you walked into that store, he asked you like, let me see your page and all of that. And you are a one person team, but you're not just any old brand like the thing about me is I don't like shopping and I'm very Mm -hmm. suspicious of people's brands and a lot of people, you know, have gotten into hair care and we see natural hair care brands popping up all over, but you're Mm -hmm. you have. And I say brand loosely because you are literally a brand. You put time and thought into your logos, into the merch that you have. Your page is beautifully curated. Like you are definitely professional. And I can see why. Like you, when he asked you to prove yourself, it's like, okay, this woman is about her ish. She's (laughs) going to be in the store. And now you have a model that will work other places. So good luck and congrats on that. And good luck on future, future endeavors.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. And what's next for your brand? Like, what are you looking
1: forward to? Um, So right now, I've kind of like taken a break from like um, social media. Like I'm still selling stuff and my website is obviously still open, but I've taken a break um, from social media, kind of trying to like rebrand myself um, because I I do rely a lot on like um, content kind of made from my customers and it's really hard to try to get people to like make videos and record stuff so you have something to post so I'm kind of like rebranding in terms of like creating a more like a uh, fluent like this is what you can expect for me to post kind of like you know how some people will have quotes on certain days and the next day it's a tutorial and then, and then the next day it might be a question like you know things like that so I'm trying to think of like how can I stay consistent within like my branding without having to he- heavily focus on like other people. Um, I did try like a uh, um, influencer program, which went well, but I think I overdid it <laughs> with like the number of influencer I have. So that is something that I'm also working on and trying to like finalize. And so how can I make it better? Um, so right now I'm thinking of like starting off strong for the fall and the winter, because again, that is like, where I feel like it's the time where people want to use my mask more because, you know, the winter is harsh on your hair. So I'm trying to, like, come back um, now with that. Um, But also, like, I've been kind of struggling with um, separating, like, my hair brand with myself as a brand as well, because I also have my personal page, um, where I actually started doing hair tutorials and videos, and then I did my business. So sometimes it's hard to like focus on the two. And I also work with other hair care brands on my personal as well. So I'm also trying to figure out like, how can I continue to do that to make income, but also like differentiate it from like what Zaza hair care is. So I'm just kind of working on that now. And hopefully like within the next month, like fall, winter, I can go hard on Zaza hair care. So nice. it's a lot of behind the scenes planning. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's more than just the product. Like, this yeah. is listen, you asked me about my hair care product business, <laughs> you're going to hear about social media, you're going to hear about yes. everything, because it's more than just the product, which is why I think you're so amazing. And I'm going to be you. tagging both pages, all pages and all everything that bases hair care that people need to know about. Um, and Thank I am going to be purchasing some products as well. So keep an eye yes.
1: out thank you so much. This was like such a wholesome interview and thank you for thinking about me and having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure for sure. If you enjoyed today's interview, go ahead and follow This Is Not Reality on all the platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'm even on YouTube and the old faithful SoundCloud. Go ahead and leave a review, leave a like, share the episode, please. But you can also get clips of This Is Not Reality by following me on Instagram. That's Amber's Afro at A-M-B-E-R-S-A-F-R-O on Instagram. Stay tuned for the next interview, but until then, I'm out. Bye. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You can get it on my website, too, embersafro.com. Bye. (laughs)